Well, this morning we're going to step back into the book of Romans. I hope that you brought your Bible with you, and if you did, that you'll turn to the book of Romans, the fifth chapter. We're going to read some verses that I think are relatively familiar, but I think are very applicable and apropos for today. I think a lot of folks in our world are longing for and searching for peace. We're in a world that is driven by upheaval, and peace is a precious possession. Every time that there is a summit of world leaders, no matter whether they're from our country or from other countries, it is world news. People want to know, can divisions cease? Can conflicts stop? And a lot of folks are watching that because in their minds, they think that the absence of conflict is peace. But I want you to know something. Peace is much more than simply the absence of conflict. We can be without conflict and still be conflicted. We can be in turmoil inside of our heads. We can be in upheaval in our hearts. There is an inner quality of peace that the world is searching for, doesn't even understand that it's there, that it's a reality, that's a possibility. And yet, those of us who know Christ understand. There is a peace that comes to us from the presence of God, the presence and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, a peace that is beyond human understanding. In writing to the Christians in Rome, Paul was writing about this very thing. He, he says in the first verse, we're going to read in just a moment, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are studying the letter to the Romans, this is actually a, a very, it's a pivotal point in the letter. I mean, the first four chapters, Paul has been writing about sin and the conviction of sin, and the conclusion of living a life of sin, choosing that lifestyle. Now he talks about peace with God. And after this point, Paul's focus changes. He, he starts talking about service and sacrifice and sanctification in the lives of those who follow after Christ and allow him to take control of their lives. This is vital information for our world today. The reason I say that is simple. Whether you understand it or not, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Time is running out. It has nothing to do with global warming. It doesn't have to do with automobile emissions. It has to do with the fact that the prophetic calendar is drawing to its close and the prophetic countdown is very real, my friends. The return of Christ is drawing closer and closer, and as it does, our world in many ways grows more and more harsh. People are searching for peace. They have a sense of urgency, and, and, and the church has the answer, and yet fails too often to communicate that answer. And so I want us to look together this morning at what peace with God is, how we get it. What that means for us right now, but what that also means for us in the future. But if we're going to do that, I want you to understand something. It's not about my opinions. They really don't count for much. It's about the Word of God. That counts for everything. 
And so if you've got your Bible open to Romans chapter 5, we're going to begin our reading at verse 1. If you can and will, I want to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word. Romans chapter 5, the apostle Paul is writing to his brothers and sisters at the church in Rome. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask you this morning to bless the reading of your word. And we pray that as we spend these moments together, that you would speak to our hearts. You would teach us your truth. That you would convict us of our sin. Call us to the Savior. Father, for those who are my brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, I pray that you would challenge us to live lives of service, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with all we come in contact with. Father, take your word and plant it deep in our hearts that it might take root and it might produce a harvest that brings glory to your name. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is my conviction, mine, and, and this is, all, it's just mine. You can share it or not share it, but this is my conviction. That peace with God and the desire for it, the longing for it, the pursuit of it is that which drives more of the world than what we could ever begin to understand or imagine. If you would come to accept that as a truth, that, that peace with God is the most important peace of all, then, then you need to ask three questions. And these are the questions that I sat down and wrestled with as I was looking at this passage of Scripture. If peace with God is the most important peace of all, and if that's what's driving men's hearts, if that is what's driving our world as we are looking for peace, even, listen, if we stop wars, we're still going to be having a longing for peace because that's not going to satisfy. So this peace that is the most important of pieces, how, how do we get it? I think that's the first question we have to address. How do we get it? Go back to verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. There's not any other way, folks. Our world has been, still is, busy searching out other avenues, trying out things that we think might make us happy, might satisfy, might fulfill, and they might do some of those things some of the time, but they will never give you peace. There is one source of peace, and that's it. We start out 
searching for satisfaction. And we're willing to try anything and everything. And, and I'll just be perfectly honest, and I, I know that I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, and so some of you are going to be like, well, preachers always say this. But here's the reality. Most of the things that we try, most of the things that we pursue are sinful activities. We, we pursue peace. We look for satisfaction, fulfillment, happiness through things that are going to destroy us ultimately. This is mankind's history. Somewhere down the path, as, as we've wandered along a little ways, we begin to realize, hey, there are some outcomes from the choices we've made that aren't exactly good here. There are some things happening in my life that I wish weren't happening. There are some things that are happening in my family that I wish weren't happening. There are some things that are happening in my workplace that I wish were not happening. And, and all of a sudden, we find ourselves saying, you know, maybe I ought to do something a little different here. Sometimes we see those things, and, and I meet people all the time who are, I don't know how else to say it, they are engaging in sorrow over their activities. Oh, I wish I'd never done that. I, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't gone there. I, I, I wish, I wish, I wish. There's not a turning from it. There's just a sorrow over the outcome. Sometimes people feel sorrow over the wrongdoing that they brought into other people's lives. And I've seen that drive people into houses of worship. And I, I've watched even some people have walked down a church aisle and thought, you know, if I walk down a church aisle and I, I shake the preacher's hand and, and maybe if he says a prayer over me, that's going to make everything all right. Sorry, folks, I can't help you. You know, I, I understand something. My prayers are my prayers. But the reality is, if you've got a problem, you and God need to be having a conversation. I'd be happy to help you in any way I can, but you're going to have to talk to God about it because I can't fix your problems. I can't take away your sin. I can't make everything right for you. I used to enjoy my conversations with Brother Lauren, and we would talk about uh, those people who decided, you know what, I'm going to make everything right by just obeying the Ten Commandments. I always got a kick out of that. Lauren would tell me about these folks in, 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 that he encountered in the correctional system. I'm sure you meet them too, Carl. Who, who, you know, I'm, I'm going to make everything right by obeying the Ten Commandments. Lauren always told me, I said, well, tell me what the Ten Commandments are. Lucky if you got two of them out of there, weren't you? Yeah, uh, nobody knew them. And, and here's the reality. I want you to understand something. Ten Commandments are great. And, and if you can obey them, knock yourself out. But I want you to not be too disappointed in yourself because here's a reality you got to hang your hat on. Nobody, and I mean nobody, except Jesus Christ has ever been able to fulfill the law completely and totally. That's the reason Jesus had to come was because we could not be justified through the law. And so God sent forth his son, savior, redeemer, one who would take our sin upon himself and pay the price. Some people tell me, you know, I'm going to get my life in order. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to set aside a time every day and, and I'm going to have conversations with God. That's called prayer, by the way. That's great. That's great, except for a couple of things that you need to be aware of. Number one is simply this. If Jesus Christ is not your personal Savior, you don't have the freedom to come into the throne room of God and petition Him with your wants and with your desires and all of the longings of your heart. Those who are children of God have been granted free access to the throne room of grace. But if you do not know him, he's waiting to hear a prayer from you. And it's not what you want, it's what he wants for you. 
Now, I know a lot of people get in trouble over saying things like that. I'll take it because I believe it. We pray in the name of Jesus. Why? Because it is through his name that we have access to the throne of grace. If you do not know him and you cannot pray in that name because you don't believe in him, you've not trusted in him, you've not surrendered to him, you do not have freedom to come before the throne of grace. Peace with God comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. Man, that opens a door to all kinds of questions. Well, who can have it? Sinners. We don't like that word, but let's just wear it. Let's own it. Sinners. By the way, that means all of us, myself included. Because God's word says that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there's not a person in this room who is not qualified to receive God's gift because we all are sinners. Well, how how do you get that? You have to be born again. You have to be justified through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how it comes about. Well, how do we get justified? It's that faith thing I said. You've got to believe that he is God's son. You must believe that he is the Savior. You must believe that he lived a perfect, sinless life, that he died on the cross for your sins and mine, that he was buried, and he rose again. And that today he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession on behalf of us. My friend, if you can believe that, I'm going to tell you now, you can have new life. So you're telling me Jesus is it, it, it is the what? Yes, he is. Now, preacher, let me get this straight. You're saying that Jesus is a way. No. No. So what you're saying is Jesus is one of the ways. Absolutely not. I want you to hear me unequivocally. I don't want anybody to walk out of here confused or to say, well, that pastor believes. Let's get this right. Let's get this straight. Let's get it one time, all right? Jesus is the way. He is the only way, and there is no other way And anyone who says, well, here's another way, is lying to you. Their lie is from the pits of hell, and they are trying to deceive you so that you can spend eternity separated from God in hell with them. Well, that's kind of narrow-minded. That's a little bit bigoted. Does this mean that I have some kind of phobia? Yes, it does. It means I have bibliophobia. I am afraid of not holding the Word of God in high esteem. And the Son of God said in the Word of God, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, folks, I'll wear it. I'll claim it. I'll own it. I really could not care less. You are not getting to heaven through believing in or following after Allah or Confucius or Buddha or any other of the deceptive so-called gods with a little g. There is only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to understand, peace with God is yours. It's mine. It's ours. 
but only, 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 only through Jesus Christ. There is no other. I feel so much better having gotten that off my chest. I want you to know I have peace with God today. And I'm confident that many of you have peace with God. And I rejoice in that. And you ought to rejoice in that. But I'm confident that there are some here who don't have that peace. And I want you to know it's available to you. But only through Jesus Christ. That's the first question. That's the first question that rang in my head. How do we get it? Through Jesus Christ. But there's a second question. Once I've got that peace... That's, that's really good for today. That's really good for the here and now. But what does that mean for me going forward? What, what's that going to do for me in the future? <laughs> yeah, everything. I want you to understand, peace with God gives us an anticipation of eternity. Say, well, that's not in these verses. I beg your pardon? You got your Bible open? Take a look at verse 2. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I don't know what your hope is in, but my hope is in the glory of God. I don't have any kind of suicidal tendencies and I don't have any death wish, but I can't wait to see what heaven's going to look like. I cannot wait to walk down the streets of glory. I can't wait to see my mama again. I can't wait to meet my granddad again. I can't wait to get there and listen to the choir of the saints. Can you imagine all those voices, Brother John, singing his praises, singing a new song? One, we're not even going to know it. And they're not going to teach it to us. It's just going to come naturally. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't have peace with God, I want to tell you something. You ought not to be looking forward to the future. Because the future that lies before those who do not have peace with God is not a pleasant thing. Now, I know that there are a lot of people who will boldly and proudly stand up and say, Well, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in heaven and hell. Great. I can't convince you. I can share the truth with you, but I cannot change your mind, and I cannot convince you, but I want you to understand something. Whether you believe in God or not does not make him real or fiction. Whether you believe in heaven or hell is not going to change the reality. And I will promise you this. There are going to be a lot of surprised folks who draw their last breath, exhale it, and find themselves face to face with their creator and say, oh, I didn't think you were real. Well, he is, friend. And he's going to judge. He's going to judge the saved and the lost. There are going to be rewards for those who know him. Oh, and there is punishment for those who do not. I want you to understand something. This has been one of those weeks. Two services, funeral service, memorial service. Never fails when we have a week like that that I have several different people who ask me about heaven. Nobody ever asked me about hell. I haven't figured that one out yet. All these decades, nobody ever asked me, tell me about hell, I'm really interested. No. But I always hear, can you tell me what heaven's like? 
Do you know that there's a whole lot more information in Scripture about hell than there is about heaven? Those who do not have peace with God are not prepared for death. I heard it said a long time ago, I'm sure you've heard it, that you're not truly prepared to live until you're prepared to die. And a lot of truth in that. When you know what comes after this life, you can live life and you can take chances and you can take risks and you can step out and put yourself in positions and not worry about what's going to happen because you know what comes after. But you cannot experience that type of peace and assurance in this life until you are certain and sure of what your eternal destination is going to be. I have no question what's going to happen to me. None. Zilch, not a period. I know, how can you be that sure, preacher? Because God's word tells me so. Listen, I want to tell you something. I have great respect for pastors. I really do. I have great respect for pastors. But there's one pastor, and I'm not going to name his name. Some of you are going to know who I am. Keep your mouth shut. Who has said that the greatest mistake the church has ever made is teaching children, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Now, I just want you to hear what I'm saying to you. He's missed the whole point. Because he's all focused on Jesus loves me, this I know. That's a great truth, but I'm going to tell you what the real emphasis of that song is. For the Bible tells me so. This is the Word of God. This is the authority. And so when you want to know what life is about, when you want to know what death is about, when you want to know what an eternity is really like, here's where you go, to the Word of God, His final authority. It reveals that truth to us. You can't be sure of heaven until you're sure of your relationship with the Father through His Son. But his word tells me, the Bible tells me so. To be present in this body is to be absent from the Lord. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. But it also tells me there is a hell. There is a place of torment. There is a place where the worm does not die. There is a place of outer darkness. There is a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. But there is also a place of glorious gold streets. And there is no need for a sun or a moon because the Son of God shines in that place and He illuminates all of glory. And I'm going to tell you right now, my hope is in the glory of God. When we gain our peace with God through Jesus Christ, then, then we can have genuine peace and anticipation of what eternity holds for us. Jesus told His friends in the upper room, He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's assuring because he's a carpenter, you know, so he knows what he's doing. He knows how to build. And people say, well, why are you so excited about what heaven's going to be? Can you imagine, folks? He's been working on it for 2,000 years now. I mean, it's got to be incredible. It's got to be phenomenal. It's got to be worth looking forward to. And I believe as I live my life and I take my risk and I step out there and I don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next, I know that Jesus is fulfilling his promise. He is preparing a place for me. And I know that whenever he calls me out of this life into the next, I'm going to be there with him. And my place will be ready. 
How do we get it? Through Jesus. Well, how does it make us feel about the future? Gives us a sense of anticipation. But I know that in this room there's some people saying, you know what? I'm not worried about what the future is. Preacher, I'm just trying to get through today. I'm just trying to make it through this week. I'm just trying to get through this month and and hope that everything holds together. So what's it going to do for me now? That's our third question. What does peace with God do for us now? Peace with God, you're going to have to help me, I think, back there. I'm having a problem. Peace with God gives us an understanding of life. You got your Bible open? Look at the back end of this. Verse 3, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Now, I want to stop right there. I just want you to look at those words. Now, some of you know this. You know this well. And I've had this discussion with some of you. And some of you have never paid attention to this. So it's time for a quick lesson. All right? We rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. Perseverance. Perseverance is another word for patience. So we can read this and we can say, we know that suffering produces patience. Now, friends, when you're praying and you ask God to give you patience, I want you to understand what you're doing. You're saying to God, God, I'd really like to be a patient person. So please, will you pour out suffering into my life? Because I know that suffering produces patience. Okay? So this is just a quick word. This is a sidebar. It's not even really part of the sermon. I'm just saying be aware of what you're saying when you're talking to God. Because he may give you what you ask for. But I want you to see this. We rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. There is a pattern. There is a design to life. God doesn't just throw a bunch of junk out there into our lives and say, well, let's see how this works out for you, big boy. No. There's a pattern. There is a design. Suffering. Trials, tribulations, they teach us how to keep going. They teach us how to persevere. They teach us how to be patient even though things take time and we have to let them work themselves out. Our perseverance in the face of trials helps us to grow. It helps us to develop godly character. And our goal as children of God ought to be that every day we want to be a little bit more like Jesus than we were the day before. And growing through these experiences and developing this godly character gives us a sense of hope. Hope that the Lord is not done with us. Hope that the Lord is not finished working in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And Paul concludes this little passage saying, hope does not disappoint us. 
Now, I just kind of stopped and, and looked at those verses. Hope does not disappoint us. And I'm thinking, Paul wrote this. This is the same Paul that was run out of city after city after city. This is the same Paul that was arrested when he had done nothing wrong. This is the same Paul that was stoned and thrown out of the city and left for dead. This is the same Paul that was beaten and tossed into a dungeon so he could have a midnight prayer meeting. This is the same Paul who suffered over and over and over, and yet he kept preaching and preaching and preaching, and he says, hope does not disappoint us. How could he say that? Look back. Look back at this verse. Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, the Spirit of God fills our hearts with God's love. And that abiding love of God gives us confidence even even when we're caught up in the worst days of our lives. It's that confidence which gives us the courage to face every day, whatever it may hold for us, good or bad. So where does it all begin? It all begins with trusting Jesus. That's all. Everything else grows out of that. And I want you to know something this morning. No matter who you are, no matter where you're at in life, God is inviting you. He's calling you. He wants you to be in a personal relationship with him. And that relationship will open the door to peace like you've never known it. It's going to allow you a peace of God that will, will let you go through difficult. People will look at you and say, man, do you see how they're keeping it together? I wonder how they do that. It's called the peace of God that passes human understanding. It's a relationship that will give you peace. Peace of heart, peace of mind. And I want you to know something. This isn't some cheap trick. God paid dearly so that you could have this peace. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, as a gift, and Jesus laid down his life. He died for us so that we could experience this peace. But there's only one way to have that peace. It's by coming to the Father through his son, Jesus Christ, by faith in repentance, surrendering your life and trusting him to do in you, with you, through you, what he desires and it's yours for the taking the question is will you take it i had somebody tell me one time said you know preacher the way you describe this why wouldn't anybody take this let me tell you why because you are surrendering control of your life your decision-making processes to someone other than yourself and there's just something about us people, you people. We don't like to surrender control of our lives. We want to be in charge. We want to make all the decisions. We want to call all the shots. It makes us feel good, important, big, strong. But if you're in control of everything, I'll give you this guarantee. 
you are not at peace. We are at peace with God. Why? Because we have been justified through our Lord Jesus Christ, His one and only Son. I got peace. Do you? Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of invitation, of commitment, of surrender. Maybe this morning you're saying, I, I, I know him, but I've, I've let my life get so out of control. Things are coming apart. The wheels are falling off. And Okay. Do you know that your father is watching and waiting for you to come home? And he'll welcome you back. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, I, I don't have that relationship. I've never known peace like that. I've never surrendered my life. Did you know that today you can? If there is a longing in your heart for that peace, if there is a desire in your soul to have that relationship with the Father, I want to tell you something. I didn't put that longing there, and I didn't put that desire there. That's the Spirit of God trying to convince you that this is what you need. I plead with you, hear His voice. And if He's calling, come, surrender to Him. Maybe you came into this place and you're just looking for somewhere where you can connect, somewhere where you can have fellowship, somewhere where you can serve and, and find brothers and sisters that will serve alongside you who will accept you. If God's led you to this place, this is a church body you're supposed to be a part of, I want to invite you come, be a part. My friend, listen to me. There is peace to be had. But it's not the peace the world offers. And it's not a peace that you get from this church. No, it's a peace that comes only from Jesus Christ. And it's yours for the taking today. He offers it as a gift because he offers his son, the giver of life, forgiveness, and salvation. Would you receive it today? Whatever he lays on your heart, whatever you're needing to do, I pray, do it. That's why we set aside this time to respond to the word of God and the call of the Spirit. Father, I thank you today that you offer us peace. Peace that goes so far beyond anything we can begin to understand or explain or, or design on our own. We thank you for it. Father, I know today that there are those in this room who are at peace. At peace with you, at peace with one another. Because of their relationship with Jesus Christ, things are as they ought to be. But Father, I'm also confident there's some in this room who right now are conflicted, torn, <laughs> at war with themselves, at war with others around them, maybe at war in their homes or in their workplace or in their school. And they are longing for peace, but that peace is only going to come through Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, draw them to yourself. Help them to understand that there is hope, there is a future, that they can find it in Jesus today. Father, I pray, take these moments. You've spoken to us through your word, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak, to convict, to draw, to change, to do that which only you can do in our lives. And do it, Father, for your glory. Change lives, change hearts through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that I pray and ask this. Amen.